think that confidence, like anything else, is a muscle that you have to practice and harness. 100%. Just like I said earlier, what happens is why you're getting what you want by asking is really mostly also a numbers game because most mm. people don't ask. Most people default to what's in front of them or acquiesce. So if you're somebody who actually asks, your odds are better at getting it because no one else is asking. And the percentage of people who ask twice is even less, right? So if you ask the first time and they say no, okay. But then to ask the second time, you're just upping your chance of that yes, right? And I think it's about how you're doing it, right? I talk about this. I talk about like making 10 attempts at something because it's not just asking by saying, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? But you've got to be somewhat creative. You've got to figure out other ways to get to that yes, right? Because like you said, maybe no means no for that moment, but that doesn't mean it's no forever. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. And one of the things that I think scares us the most in life is this word rejection. And we hold back from going after what we want in life because we are fearful of this one word. And that one word is no. But the fascinating thing is that when we don't ask, the answer will always be no. And more importantly, you are telling yourself that you aren't worthy of going after whatever it is. Remember, not taking action is also failing. But what if I told you that rejection is good as well? And so my guest today will show you how being confident and being resilient can help you reach the success and achievement you are aiming for. And she will also enlighten and inspire you with her story on how rejection and failure helped her cultivate a mindset of not being afraid to ask for what she wants in life. So today, I have the queen of turning rejections into massive achievement on the podcast, and her name is Jennifer Cohen, a best-selling author, brand strategist, international speaker, and educator with a specific focus on building healthy habits to drive positive behavioral change. She was recently named the top 100 most influential people in health and fitness by Greatest. She is the host of the podcast Habits and Hustle, where she interviews entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and overall extraordinary people who share their insight and open up about the normally hidden aspects that have made a difference in their success. But what I believe is most incredible about her is that she unapologetically goes after what she wants in life, and there is a lot to learn from her approach on that. Her TED Talk on this subject has actually been viewed over a million times. She began developing these skills at a young age, where she hustled her way into getting Keanu Reeves to appear in her demo tape as part of an attempt to get a job as a VJ, which by the way, she got Keanu, but didn't get the job. We chat about the story behind that. We go into all things rejection, including how to use rejection and failure to your advantage and why so many people are afraid of being rejected. We get into the recipe for how to get and ask for anything you want in life. We talk about how confidence affects your mindset and so much more. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Jennifer Cohen to the Adversity Advantage podcast. 
Jen, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And today it's, it's amazing everything you've accomplished with your podcast and it being with Entrepreneur and all the amazing brands you consult for and all the incredible media you've done and just everything you've accomplished as a woman as well. I wanted to acknowledge, but what's the most fascinating about your story is it started with the scariest thing in the world. And that was coming from a place of being rejected from something that you really wanted and it redirected you into your fitness career. So talk a bit about like what that moment was, like how you got rejected, like what that was, and then how that translated into leading you into your fitness career. You know, when people always use that expression, actually, you, you fail upwards. That's yeah. kind of, that's basically my life in a nutshell right there. I've basically failed upwards, like kind of similar to you. I think maybe that's why you're like, you're like a spirit animal of mine because rejection and fear of rejection is not something that kind of like is part of my vernacular and how my brain chemistry works. So every time I got uh, a no or any time I failed, I just kind of like brushed it off and got right back up and tried another way. And similar to you, right? So yeah. it's basically, that was kind of, and has been my swan song. It started from like a very young age when I wanted to get that job with Much Music as a VJ, right? And I used Keanu Reeves as the, the conduit, <laughs> which I got Keanu Reeves, but I didn't get the job. But which is, still- fun, which is funny, not to interrupt you, that you would think that getting <laughs> Keanu Reeves would get you the job. And it's the most, what's the most fascinating is that, that you took a huge risk in getting him to come on your video. And then you end up like getting rejected after like winning that right you won the prize of getting keanu and you're like all right i got this i'm gonna get with much music and then it ends up not panning out which is incredibly inspiring that you continue to keep going despite that not let it completely tear you down well absolutely it's funny that you say that number one the keanu reeves story has gotten me more mileage than anything else probably right so actually it's it basically worked out to my advantage right because and the job would have just been like another kind of just another like throwaway. Right. But it's funny because like you just said, the Keanu thing seemed to be such a hard get. That was the pivotal moment where it showed me that you never know what can happen in life, right? You never know when people say yes, when people say no. People thought that that would be something that was completely impossible, right? And maybe getting the job was much more realistic. But look what happened, right? I actually got the Keanu deal, but I didn't get the job. Now, did I get much closer to getting the job because of Keanu? Probably. Mm. I mean, listen, I mean, second place, you're still a loser, right? I got to second place, but it's still, you know what I mean? Like you still didn't get the gold medal. So, but it did teach me a lot of valuable lessons and to, and that have helped me to, even to this day where I use that to get and to do lots of different things. So over 20 years later, so it did something for me. No, it's incredible. And it's funny. Yeah, you're right. That story probably has gotten you a ton of mileage, but there's some valuable lessons in that. And the first one is not being afraid to at least ask, right? So like you had this vision for what you wanted in that you wanted to get a deal with much music, right? So you were like, okay, I know if I need to get that based on where I'm at right now, I need to land a big name in my video. So you find out that Keanu's coming to Canada to do some Shakespeare play, right? You stalk him 
wait for him outside. He thinks you just want an autograph. You're like, no, I want you in my video. And he's probably like, well, wait, what? He ends my up demo tape. Yeah. yeah, yeah your demo yeah. tape, right? Yeah. He ends up calling you, right? Your mom like kind of gives him the, the run around, right? For the first time <laughs> she answers. And then yeah. you, you guys end up talking, you end up making it happen. And what's even more compelling about that story though, Jen, is not only did you go after what you wanted and get it, it led you to be put in the room to have an opportunity to be that female Carson Daly, which you wanted to be. And then you got there, you got in the room, then you get rejected, right? And so many people, you're at the, you're what, you're 18, 19 years old, would in that moment, there's a lot of people that would go down this horrible rabbit hole of self-pity, self-doubt, woe is me, you kind of use that failure to quote unquote fail upward. Right. And then it pivoted you into this passion for fitness. So a lot of people now, they know you as this boss, babe, businesswoman, entrepreneur, you got this incredible habits and hustle podcast and everything else you're doing, but what really got you into this whole business thing was fitness. So talk a bit about like how you got into fitness, that journey. I mean, you trained some incredible people back in the day too, and the kind of how it led you into being an entrepreneur. Well, it's number one, you know, so fitness wasn't my automatic go-to, right? right? Like I always liked fitness because the principles that it taught me early on in life, which was the goal setting, the discipline, kind of pushing past a, a, a point where you didn't think was possible and then achieving it, giving you that motivation to kind of keep on going. I, I kind of took those principles and use them in all sorts of different jobs that I had, right? So like I said, I never thought fitness would be the business. I knew that the aspects what fitness gave me would help me in other ways. So I actually got a job with the uh, the Toronto Raptors. That was my real first job, job, right? Which was in sports. And then I went back to school and I got a business degree. And then I went to the music business. So really music and sports, not fitness, right? And I was in more marketing, more uh, sponsorship, more sales. And then when I kind of was getting burnt out with that and I kind of moved to LA from Canada and kind of was like, all right, I'm here on a working visa to work for doing something completely different. I was working for Immortal Records, which is part of Sony at the time. I really had no option. I'm like, how am I going to make money? I kind of transitioned it into the fitness business. But the reality is like my brain was, I always liked negotiating. I I liked strategy. I liked deal making. So again, it's like, these are like principles or things that I was naturally more kind of gravitated to and what I naturally like to do. I just kept on changing which business, which industry I was actually doing it at. So I was doing it in sports, then I did it in music, and then I just pivoted and did it in the fitness business. But it, to me, it doesn't really matter what your, whatever industry you're doing it at. What's important is knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at mm-hmm. and really kind of making what works for you be your thing, right? So that's what I did and that's what I do. And that's kind of, One thing I was good at, similar to you, was asking for what I wanted. And then I kind of honed it with practice. I honed it with practice by doing it over and over again to a point where it became so second nature, where it just became what I did. And that's why I tell other people, if you're not good at something like asking for what you want, practice it, right? And that will help you kind of like 
lean into more what you're really want, you're more passionate about and what you really want to be doing. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able in life to ask for what you want, because as you and I, for those of you who don't know, we're talking for like three hours before we recorded. No, it seemed like three hours. <laughs> good thing or a bad thing. No, it no. It feels like three hours. No, no, no. <laughs> it was all good. That at surface level, if we already have no, no matter what, like if we're trying to get the job, if we're trying to have somebody get on a podcast, if you're trying to ask somebody out on a date, you already have no, because you haven't asked. You already have that answer. So in order to get to the yes, you have to ask. You have to ask for what you want. To be able to get what you want, which is a yes in most situations. In anything in life. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't even have, like you said, it doesn't even have to be a job. It could be something like a date or whatever. You have to just, it's across the board, right? But what I said to you before we started was like, you're no worse off. You're already at a no, like you said. So what happens if you ask and the, and the answer is no? Well, okay. So it's zero of zero is still zero, right? Yeah, you're already so, at the, the baseline is already no. Right? Yeah. So you can't get any worse, right? So you already have the worst possible situation. The worst fear is no. And I think so many people are afraid to get told no because they have an ego and they haven't really had that checked. As we were before we were recording, I was telling you, I think the reason that I am so good at being rejected is because I've been rejected most of my life. I was the guy that felt like the ultimate scum, that I was a convicted felon. I was incredibly overweight. I was heavily addicted to drugs and selling drugs. I was rejected by girls growing up left and right. I was afraid to ask a girl to a dance. I was getting fired or quitting jobs when I was a kid. So I already experienced rejection to the magnitude of the max, right? So I already had that. And then I knew and I developed this mindset knowing that if I was going to make anything in life, because I am not this, I'm not a celebrity, I don't have a huge following, I'm not you know, the, the best person at sales or anything in the world, that I knew I had to at least just ask to get myself in the room, right? I knew I had to put myself to, in a room to give myself a chance to get a yes, because I knew that if I didn't even at least ask and put myself in the room, it was an automatic no. And the other thing I've learned is don't take no at face value. Like no right now doesn't mean no, never. No right now just means no right now. Like the ability to be able to follow up and stay in contact and continue to add value and stay on people's radar, whatever you're doing, no matter what you're doing in life is so key because timing is everything. You might not get the job right now. You might get it in three months. You might not get the date right now. You might get it next year. And for you, I know you did that too because- your dream was obviously to get in the music industry, right? And and you didn't in that moment. You got rejected from the very thing you wanted. You wanted to be that female Carson Daly when you were a kid. And then down the road, you end up becoming into the music industry. And then that propels you to the next step in life. And then you fail and you get to the next step and the next step. Why do you think so many people, though, are afraid of being rejected? Like, what do you think it is? I think people are afraid of being vulnerable, right? Yeah. Vulnerability is a really scary thing. Absolutely. And, and because of that, people try to avoid it at all costs. But yeah. that goes to show you that putting yourself in a situation where you do become vulnerable, but also reaps the best rewards when things happen too. So I believe that like anything worth having, there is some type of like fear behind it, right? Or else it would kind of the yin to the yang. Yeah. So... I think that what you said, like you said, you're a great example of this, right? Like since I've known you, you've been the very tenacious, like 
how long have I been like talking to you or you've been connecting to me on Instagram literally over a year. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't even cross your mind to feel like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't do this. Or, you know what? This person's saying no or whatever. And it works to your advantage. And I think that is a superpower that people should really harness that. And because what the rewards are on the other side are so important. So like you said, I think that was also a very important point. If that is something that you're naturally good at and you, you don't have like a specific thing that you are, you're not like an accountant, you're not a lawyer, you're not doing something, but you just, you kind of, what you're good at is being super tenacious and asking for what you want. That in itself is a talent, right? Yeah, yeah because and, when you don't ask, it's a no. And I think in order to get in the room with some people, maybe it's people you want to meet. Maybe you're listening to this and you want to start a podcast. Maybe you're listening to this and you just want to change jobs, whatever it is. Like no one's going to ask for you. No one's going to hand you anything. And I think we live in a world, at least in my opinion, where we're a lot of people expect things to be, expect things to be handed to them. And not that it's not nice to have like gifts and that sort of thing every once in a while, because it is, but to really get what we want in life, we have to ask. We have to be so confident within ourselves that we're not afraid to fail. Like I always tell people fail more because if, if you haven't failed, right, this is what I, what I love saying about failure. If you haven't failed, it means you've never tried. And if you've never tried, it means you never took a chance. And if you never took a chance, it means you never believed in yourself. And if you never believed in yourself, it means you don't have any faith. And I'm not talking about just a religious faith. I mean, faith in yourself, that you're worth trying, that you're worth getting what you want in life. Let me say this, though. I think that confidence, like anything else, is a muscle that you have to practice and harness. 100%. Just like I said earlier. I don't think because, like I said, you're like that more naturally because you have to be that way. Maybe I make that more naturally because I had to be that way. But what happens is why you're getting what you want by asking is really mostly also a numbers game because most mm. people don't ask. Most people default to what's in front of them or acquiesce. So if you're somebody who actually asks, your odds are better at getting it because no one else is asking. And the percentage of people who ask twice is even less, right? So if you ask the first time and they say no, okay, but then to ask the second time, you're just upping your chance of that yes, right? And I think it's about how you're doing it, right? I talk about this. I talk about like making 10 attempts at something because it's not just asking by saying, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? But you've got to be somewhat creative. You've got to figure out other ways to get to that yes, right? Because like you said, maybe no means no for that moment, but that doesn't mean it's no forever. So it's like, hmm, okay, well, I asked this way, that didn't work. What else? And then the other thing is, I think to your point earlier was I think life is really about momentum, right? Mm -hmm. You get one yes, it's easier to get another yes. And that gives you the confidence to ask again. So like, if you ask for something one time and finally it works, then you know what? That will give you a little bit more of like that thing to ask a second time, third time, fourth time. So again, I can't stress enough the consistency and the practice of practicing what the ask is, practicing feeling confidence. Getting to that point though, you have to also reframe how you see yourself, right? And the best way to do that, again, is practice, practice telling yourself a different story about yourself. Reframe 
what that narrative is, how you see yourself. You are the CEO of your life, right? Like sure. you, you can create or you can believe or choose not to believe whatever you tell yourself and you can make things happen or not, depending on how you reframe things for your own, for your own mental mindset. Yeah, there's, there's so much I want to kind of unpack with what you just said, but I want to kind of piggyback on your last point. And it's a lot of it's about energy, right? So if you're telling yourself that they're automatically going to say no, then your energy, your body language, if you're in person, maybe it's how you send the message, you're timid, maybe you're sending a voice message is going to reflect that. And then the person on the receiving end, it's going to kind of replicate that, right? Whereas if you're confident and you do get a few small wins and you get a couple of yeses and you build some confidence within yourself, your mindset changes, right? You're able to kind of tell yourself that, yes, they're going to tell me, yes, I got one yes, maybe I'll get a yes from somebody else. And then everything will change inside of you based on how you kind of learn to carry yourself, right? And it is like a muscle. Like the more times you deal with failure and get back up, the stronger you are, right? Failure is only negative if you stay down. Like every successful person I know, every successful person that Jen has had failure, but what separates those who make it from those who don't are the ones that continue to get back up even after getting punched in the face over and over again as an entrepreneur, as a person, as a trainer, whatever you're in, right? Whatever it is. Yeah. I also, exactly. And I think that also you people only know what they see right in front of you. They see the success. They never see the failures. They don't mm. see all the hours that are put in to become a success. A lot of these people, like social media is a perfect example. People are creating their, creating what their own reality is, right? Mm. They're putting in a lot of different work behind the scenes that you don't see. And I think it's really important to like make note of that, right? Like perception is not always reality. You're only seeing people sliver 10% of what really happens. And thinking, okay, well, that's just, that's just, that's what, that's, they're successful because they're successful. Probably there was 10 or 15 years or behind that, that they were kind of a failure or a lot of work went into it, a lot of hours, a lot of time, a lot of effort. So, you know, you mean like you have to, you, people have to remember that, remind themselves that you, you're, you're capable of a lot more. It's about a question of how much you want something. For, for fitness and for weight loss, let's even use it, an analogy like this. If you want to lose 10 pounds, right? But you also love to eat, like myself. Okay, I'm going to use myself as, a, as an example. Use, it's, life is choices. Are you yeah. choosing, you know what I mean? Or how badly do you want it? Would you prefer to lose that 10 pounds? Or would you prefer to eat that cake every night after dinner? It's a choice. You are the master of your reality, Oh, you're right. And I always say the way I kind of put it, it's the same thing. It's like, it's all about choices and it's like, choose your suck. It sucks to make sacrifices and not eat that cake every day. It sucks to not eat pizza every day and to get up in the morning and work out and to run when you don't want to, whatever you're doing with your fitness. But what also sucks and sucks even more is when you're eating that cake every day and you're eating that pizza and you're not moving and you're looking back two, three, four, five months from now and you're like, man, I wish I would have gotten started earlier. So you got to choose your suck because they both suck, right? They both, yeah, they, both they both have you struggling, someone. right? And, yeah. but the one where you're making the sacrifices, you're changing your habits and hustling, right? Hence habits and hustle for your <laughs> yeah. You build fortitude, you work your failure muscle, you work your rejection muscle because when you're working out, we know that our body rejects us and we have to fail to get stronger, faster, all that things. And we build confidence in ourselves that we can do the uncomfortable things. Because I believe 
confidence does come from getting yeses. I think it also comes from doing the things we know we should be doing on a consistent basis. We yeah, all know we should. Agree with. We all know we should be moving our body. We all know we should be eating well most of the time. We all know we shouldn't be scrolling through Instagram all day, every day, and watching the news. But when we do it and we are fulfilling what we know we should be doing for ourselves on a daily basis, that's where the magic happens, right? And Absolutely. I think, right? And so one of the other things that I wanted to, to talk to you about is you had this amazing TED Talk, which I've watched like three times already just because I was like, wow, there's so many nuggets just in this simple 15, 16 minute talk on how to achieve anything you want in life, right? And it's like, in order to really get what you want, it's very simple. You have to put yourself out there, right? You have to ask. So Maybe there's somebody listening, or maybe if you're talking to like the younger version of yourself, maybe it's one of your kids. If they really want like the the steps to be able to ask for what they want, like how do they do that? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Plant Bar. If you're anything like me, you find yourself constantly on the run and needing a quick, healthy pick me up that you can trust. That's why I really love Plant Bar. Plant Bar is a wellness hub serving the greater Baltimore area, and they are a go-to spot for myself and many others for their superfood smoothies, juices, and bowls. My personal favorite right now is the X-Factor smoothie. It has cacao in it, and y'all know I have a soft spot for cacao. And it has so many other incredible ingredients, and it's tasty too. If you don't live in the Baltimore area, don't worry. You can follow them on Instagram at plantbar underscore Baltimore. Again, it's at plantbar underscore Baltimore for hacks, tips, and tricks to become the healthiest version of yourself. Now back to the show. I think a couple things. I think first, figuring what you really want is different than what you think you want, right? Mm, I think there's yeah. like a difference. People a lot of times think they want something, but really that's not really what they want. So I think being self-aware is super important. Self-awareness I think is key. After that, I think it's really important to figure out what you're good at and what you're bad at mm. and make those strengths work for you. A lot of times, again, ego gets in the way and it's hard for people to disassociate their ego from reality. And I think people should have a real come to Jesus with themselves and say, what, what do I really want? What am I really good at? And then make a path from there. And then from there, I think, be as specific as possible. So start small and be specific. I think when you are too grandiose, it's very hard to do that, right? So when you're specific, then you can really laser focus and go for that actual thing. And I also think it's very important to make a habit out of asking for the little things in life because it teaches you and gives you the confidence and the ability to ask for the bigger things in life. And so to me, it comes down to that consistency and practice again, like anything else. To lose weight, you have to work out. You can't work out once, you have to work out continually, consistently, you know, day after day, four times a week, on and on. You gotta make things your new habits. So I'm gonna break it down again. Be self-aware, be more specific, be realistic with what you're good at and what you're not good at, and start practicing asking for the small things. 
that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I agree with you 400%. Number one, self-awareness is everything because I think we spend so much time between social media, paying attention to what other people are doing, our neighbors, friends, coworkers, that we spend like most of our time focusing on what other people want for us or what other people are doing that we lose sight of what we actually want, what we stand for, what kind of things we love to do, what our goals are. And so if you can take the time and get super intentional about who you are as a person, what do you stand for? What do you want to accomplish in life? Who do you want to meet? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And then build off of that, right? And I think being consistent is everything. And I think getting the low hanging fruit is incredibly important. Yes. Is it important to set big goals? Of course, but I don't know anybody who's successful that tells somebody or has done themselves achieved some sort of massive goal that hasn't done the little things every single day, right? So maybe if your goal is to lose 60 pounds, maybe it is just setting a goal like, okay, like today, I'm just going to walk for 10 minutes every day for the next two weeks because I haven't moved my body in 15 years. And then you build off of that. And then sure enough, you like get the confidence. You're like, wow, like, I've moved my body for the last two weeks straight, something I haven't done in 15 years. Like what's next? Oh, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to do that. Like I can go on and on, but that's how it works for anything in life, right? I look at myself just as a prime example. I've been really blessed to be on some incredible media outlets and podcasts, but I didn't just start with getting on big shows. It's been six, seven years of me sharing my story getting the quote unquote low hanging fruit, whether it's people I just knew who had podcasts, whether it was local media. And then it gave me the confidence that A, my story was worthy. B, it gave me like reps, like practice to share my story and talk because the last thing you want to do is get in front of a big audience and a big opportunity and not know what you're talking about or kind of shit the bed. And A, your my show doesn't run or B, people didn't really get a lot out of it that they could have had I put the reps and sets in, right? And then also... It just taught me the ability of consistency, hard work, and being dedicated and not just going after like a shiny object, like having a plan, being consistent, sticking to it. And then over time, things will add up. Like if you ask for what you want with what's congruent to who you are and what you, what you truly want, like over time, like the one no will lead you to another yes. One no will lead you to another yes. Then you'll get another yes, another yes, another yes. And it's like a domino effect. And you build this equity of confidence inside yourself to be like, wow, I've gotten 10 yeses in the last three months. Like what's next, right? So I think there's so much in your story, Jen, and everything that you've done that is admirable just from a level of the rejection side. The scariest freaking thing I think for people right now is to be rejected, whether it's by someone they're asking out, whether it's a friend, family member, yet if we can just switch our perspective and know that every time we're being rejected, it's actually building us stronger to be able to like take on more rejection so we can keep going further on in life. Like we will win. Would you agree? Yeah, I totally agree with that. A hundred percent. I totally agree with you. I think again, it's, it's just making those simple changes and, and tweaking that mindset of yours and changing the narrative and asking like people are like well, how did you do that like when you were saying something earlier i'm like well how did you do that it's like i don't know i asked like people are expecting this lofty crazy thing and it's like pretty basic right yeah but even something like, so basic sometimes needs to be practiced right you're right and it's like for those of you who are listening before um, we recorded she was asking me how i got certain people on my show and i just said i just asked 
Like I just ask, and this is yeah. what I do. I will like, be like, hey, so-and-so, you're incredibly inspiring. Your story has had a big impact in my life, which people I bring on my show, it's people who have inspired me or I think could have a great impact on my audience. So I'm not like BSing them. Like they really right. have had an impact. And then I'll share my story. And then I'll talk about some of the things that I've done to share mine because that's a passion of mine. And then I go into the inspiration of my podcast and that's how I've been able to get a lot of people because it's a personal connection. I'm tying in my mission to theirs, right? Because I know that we're in alignment that it takes out the, well, how many followers do you have? How many down? Sure. Well, people ask you that if you're getting them on a show, of course, there's going to be people that that's important because the people's times are valuable. And the reason I even say this and what my whole point is because I asked and figured out a way to ask, like, I think there's a difference between saying to somebody, I'm just using the whole getting on a podcast. Like, Hey, will you come on my show? I like you a lot. There's a difference between that and actually putting in effort and making a list of people you want to have on your show, you want to connect with. This applies to whatever you're doing. I'm just using this as an example and building a personal connection because when you're trying to get in touch with people whose time is valuable and they're busy and they could get on any show they want, it's easy for them to say no because A, they don't know who you are. B, your show isn't that big or whatever. My show isn't that big, whatever. But if you can find a way to personally connect with them and make it personal so they develop some sort of emotional attachment to what you're doing, it gives you a chance to get in the room with them, a chance. Again, asking for what you want. There's a difference between asking for what you want in a way that's very intentional and aligned with who you are than just asking, as Jen was saying earlier. And that's why like, being able to know exactly who you are, what you stand for, and what you want in life, and then combining that with asking intentionally is where magic happens. I get excited now when I pitch myself or I pitch having someone to come on my show because I'm like, I have a chance. Like I'm like, wow, that was good. This gives me an opportunity. And I don't care if it's you're trying to start a podcast, you're trying to get your story out there more, you're trying to get the love of your life. Like, Be intentional with your ask, right? I yeah, mean, I think that's true. I also think it's important to be, be personal, like personalize something because people get a lot of different requests and you can tell very easily who's put effort in and who hasn't, right? Yeah. A big difference between a yes and a no a lot of times is the pitch, right? Of how you're actually asking, how genuine your ask is, how authentic your ask is versus a mass email. You know what I mean? Like I got something today, which is really funny. It said, hi, Jen. And, the da -da -da, and said, it would be great to see you, brother, which showed <laughs> me that it was a cut and paste. They changed my name, but they didn't realize I was a girl in that body of the email. Yeah. And he kept on referring to me as brother, brother, like three times. So it's like, because of that, it's such a turnoff that you put, I'm so not important. I'm so irrelevant that that's how you're asking me to do you a favor. So mm. I don't respond. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. If it's done in a very sincere, authentic way, chances are most people aren't assholes. Most people are right. naturally assholes. They want to help. And also you're appealing to their ego, so to speak, right? Because like it shows that you put effort into something that they're going to usually, not always, they will help, right? Or they'll try to do what they can. But the worst is being generic, not being, having no real focused lack of intent, lack of authenticity, all these things make a big difference in the ask. You're right. Cause it goes down to what, like, why are you asking? Are you asking because you just want I'm something? I have another number for you. Right. Like, okay, you, yeah. 
I'll say no. You're going to ask the next person. You're going to ask. I mean, listen, like I said, the guy who emailed me, I mean, come on. It just says to me that you put zero effort in. And if you put zero effort in, why should I put effort in? Right. I mean, because especially when people's time is valuable and people are busy, right? I think the other thing to add to that is the fact that like, you really have to be mindful of what works and what doesn't. So if you're sending an email to somebody and you're noticing you're putting out like a bunch of generic stuff and you're getting zero responses back, like chances are maybe you can look and say, hey, maybe I can be more personable in my email. Maybe there's another way to go about it. Maybe I can have my emails be shorter. Cause I mean, that's the one thing when I get pitches or something and, or somebody to, for me to come on their show and it's like, I'm like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I'm like, it's hard because by the time I'm done scrolling, I've already got like 74 other notifications on my phone that I'm like, squirrel, squirrel, like looking at other things, which yeah, is very yeah. common, right? In this day, this day and age that, that we're being distracted. So I do want to kind of shift gears a little bit because your podcast is called Habits and Hustle. I'll tell a real life story on how Jen and I actually met. So Jen has this podcast called Habits and Hustle. And I saw that she had some super inspiring and good looking people on her show. So I was like, I'll be a great fit. No, I'm kidding. Well, I mean, that is kind of how it happened. And I just happened to DM her and I just said, Hey, I'd love to be on your show. She didn't know who I was. How would I contact to set this up? Right. She gives me an email. I end up sending her a nice email, pitching myself, sharing my story. I hear nothing for like a week, I think it was. So I know people are busy, right? And I've, I understand that, A, there's a, a method to following up. You don't want to text somebody or email them the next day and be like, hey, did you get my email? But maybe wait a week. Might have gone to spam, whatever. So I just said, hey, did my email come through? She gets right back to me and says, yes, I got it. We'll get back to you in a few days or something. They come back to me and they say, hey, we'd love to have you on. When are you in LA? And then I was set to come to LA and then our scheduling got mixed up with scheduling. It wasn't, we weren't weren't able to make it happen. And then we went back and forth for a few months. They were like, her team was like, let me know when you're going to be back in LA. And then COVID hit. Then I follow up. I'm like, all right, well, can we do it over zoom? And they were like, yeah, we can. You're, we still want to have you on. It's just, we're so backed up with interviews right now from the ones that were in the the can. We've had to change things, blah, 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 blah. So I mean, you see where I'm going with this. Like I, they haven't told me to go pound sand, right? But I still continue <laughs> to follow up and be like, hey, like I'm, I'm still on your radar. Here's what I'm doing. Here's right, what I'm doing. Right, exactly. Like right? I think you said it yourself. I think it's like, you know, did you ever watch Dumb and Dumber? When they're oh, yeah, like, one, one, do one, I have one, a one. chance? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Do you have a chance? Well, uh, how many do you, uh, what's the chances? And they're like one in a million. Have a yeah, chance. Exactly. <laughs> and that's how you have to look at things. So Anyway, to to pivot a little bit, I wanted to talk about your show because habits and hustle, I think without, you can have one, but without the other, they don't work. Like you can have amazing habits, but if you don't hustle to get what you want, like you're not going to have success. And I think if you have amazing hustle, but you have no organization and habits along the way, like you're going to fall short as well. So talk a bit about the vision of the podcast and maybe, first of all, you've had some incredible people on there. What are some common themes with these successful people you've had on with their habits and how they've been able to hustle to get where they are? I think one common theme is a lot of hard work. Work Mm -hmm. ethic is incredibly high, right? And that's why I said people don't know what goes on under the hood a lot of times, right? You see something and you think, oh yeah, they were an overnight success or just happened like this. A lot of times there was a lot of different, lots of stuff that happened behind the scenes that were a ton of different failures, a lot of like 
different angles that they were going to do. And it just never seemed the way it actually, over time, they became successful. A lot of times, maybe in spite of all the failures, right? Or because of all the failures. Another thing I found interesting is a lot of times when people think and they're very like headset about thinking that something's going to ha- be basically work in this one direction. A lot of times it's completely the opposite reason. Like, so what I mean by that is you make a plan and God laughs, right? Cause you think you're going to be successful in one vertical and it ends up being completely a different reason and how, and, and the, and why as to how it actually kind of morphed and evolved. Right. So never be too stuck and not never to be, I think you have to be very malleable and very flexible and kind of go with the flow. I think that's one of the things I've learned. Another thing I have learned is that most people do have very strict non-negotiables that they have to abide by so they can kind of continue on that path of success personally and professionally, making some non-negotiables and having a very strong morning routine and nightly routine. So it was really a lot of times you hear about the morning routines, but you don't really hear so much about the night routines. But I think in order to be on point, you have to have a really strong night routine to make sure that you can execute on your morning routine. And those morning routines really set set the the tone for the day. A lot of times people um, talk about their gratitude. They talk about journaling as a big one. Meditation was, was more earlier, not so much now. So those are some themes that I've noticed. And I would say, like, I don't think there really is one way to skin the cat to be successful. That's definitely what I've noticed. But core values of work ethic and non-negotiables and resilience and not being afraid or maybe being afraid, but being okay with the failure to keep on going and showing resilience is extremely important. Yeah, I mean, from what I'm hearing from you, it's incredibly important and pretty much mandatory to have a evening and a morning routine to be successful because you hear a lot about the the morning routine that was coined in that the Miracle Morning book, I think, by Elrod. And but the evening routine, you're right. Like if you don't have a solid foundation for how you go to bed, are you turning your phone off? Are you drinking some tea to calm you down? Are you turning off electronics? Whatever it is, it'll mess up your morning routine, right? So you have to bookend your days for success. And the other thing I heard you say was that everybody kind of did what worked for them, right? They found their groove. They found like what was in flow. They all had common themes, but they all might look a little bit different based on who it was. And it all came back to their non-negotiables and their core values of themselves, right? Which is what we talked about earlier on the show about getting what you want is having the self-awareness inside of yourself to know what you truly stand for, what you want, where you're going so that everything else kind of feeds off of that. And then also like none of them were an overnight success, right? So it takes 30 years to become an overnight success, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the old saying, I guess. And I think- Did they say 30? I thought it was 10, but okay. No, I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> I mean, 30, I'm joking. It's like, but most people don't see the 10, 15, 20, 30 years. They don't, they don't see what's under the hood ever, ever, ever. And a lot of times it's also not what people, I mean, I stress this all the time. Nothing is ever what it seems. So many times when I have people on my show and I- expect and that's also a fallacy it never kind of assumes something right because you make an ass out of you and me is that yeah, the same? yeah of course I, I assume someone would be a certain way or i think it's because of this reason 99 percent of the time i'm wrong right mm. like never assume someone's circumstances never assume that you because what you see as a sliver is what the reality is 
that's why I think social media is very, very, I want to use a euphemism for bad, but I find it to be something that it's a catch-22, I think. It can be very... They should limit and monitor because it's all-consuming. And I think people have a really distorted view of what is reality. And it can be very hurtful. And also, too much information is harmful. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think that if, if there's a way to kind of like to use that as a good and have it some kind of limitation on it, it, it would be much more beneficial. The amount of hours that people are putting into social media let me tell you this i'll I'll give you this example unless you're someone who is making your living off of social media what i have noticed is most people who are exorbitantly successful offline don't go on social media they're not on social media they don't really pay attention to social media or they limit the amount of social media because it's a time suck and they also know of how it manipulates your brain and tailors what you see. So I think it's really important to really kind of use that information. If you actually look at the amount of hours someone's spending on Instagram or Twitter, whatever it is, it's mind boggling. If you took a fraction of those hours and put it towards what your, your personal actual goal is, much more productive you would be as a human being. I mean, it's amazing. I like, I'm so grossed out by myself sometimes when I look on my phone I'm like I spent that much time dealing with it it's so unproductive Mm. in the grand scheme of things so schedule the amount of time that you are on social media it is one of the points that I've noticed from the people I've spoken to I've felt it myself and I think is a great biohack of course I think social media is a double-edged sword right it can be very good for creating content, sharing your message, selling products, that sort of thing. But it's also highly addictive. You can consume it way too much. It's way too easily accessible. And we can go down these rabbit holes of comparison and feeling less than and just distraction and the neurochemical effects it has on your brain and all that sort of thing. So this has been incredible. Like I think the audience is going to get so much out of this episode just from a, like the sheer fact of everything you shared on how you kind of made rejection your best friend and failure that helped you cultivate this mindset of not being afraid to ask for what you want, that now you're inspiring so many other people to ask for what they want through stuff you're doing online, through being an amazing entrepreneur, I'm sure even with your family and through your podcast. So where can people find out more about you if they want to kind of figure out what you got going on? I'm on social media. <laughs> if you want to give out your address, you can do that too. No, I have on Instagram on uh, at the Real Jen Cohen. They can also listen to my podcast at Habits and Hustle on any of the platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever you listen to a podcast. You can go to jennifercohen.com and you can watch my TED Talk and that's it. Amazing. Well, I will make sure to put all this stuff in the show notes so that the listeners or if they're watching this can get more information about you. I once again, thank you. And for those listening, really, really, really take note of her advice. I mean, I talk about it a lot, like really using adversity to your advantage and using rejection as a means to get further in life because we're going to get rejected in life. We're going to fail. But what really counts is our ability to get up after that rejection and after that failure and how we respond And Jen is the epitome of doing that, not only like in an easy way, but in a way that's a catapult at her career. 
So once again, if you appreciated this episode, as always, all we ask is that you share it. Just take a screenshot, tag Jen, tag myself with your biggest takeaway. We'd love to hear from you. We love feedback. And last but not least, if you enjoy this episode and it touched your heart, uh, we love reviews. So leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. And once again, I thank you for listening to this episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we will see you next time.